We're so thankful for the opportunity to dive into God's word tonight. And our speaker tonight is my brother-in-law, Peter Mord. And uh, he is the pastor at New Life Baptist Church in Palmdale, California. We have some New Life team here tonight. Let's give it up for New Life. And uh, I'm so thankful that Peter is here tonight. So I want to encourage you, go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a pen, uh, grab some paper to take some notes uh, online, lean in, make sure you have your Bible. And let's give Peter a warm, rowdy Rock Hill welcome. Come on, we can do better than that. A rowdy Rock Hill welcome. Come on, let's welcome him tonight. Awesome. Thank you so much. And happy birthday, Rock Hill. It's so awesome being here right before your birthday. I want you to know last night when we began and uh, your pastor preached, man, God's hand is all over this man right here and, and his wife and his family. And so I want to thank you so much for rallying behind him. Listen, if you're online and you're watching this and uh, you haven't reached out to him, man, let him know you're still watching. Let him know you're still behind him. And I'm so thankful for their team. And uh, let's thank him for four years of faithfulness. That's an excellent thing to do. It's awesome to see what God is doing here and uh, all of the changed lives. Um, the story last night was just amazing to see God's grace and uh, moving in this location, such a beautiful miracle in the making. And so it was so awesome to see. It was my first time to see it last night, and it's just a beautiful location, great place to do ministry. And man, you are doing ministry, lots of ministry here, and uh, we're thankful for that. I'm so thankful for our team being here. Man, I love our team. So thankful they would uh, drive down. Would you welcome them again, man? I'm so thankful for them. And um, I will tell you, I... I you know, sometimes you say, I wouldn't want to do it. I couldn't do it without them. So uh, I don't have a choice, and I'm, but I'm thankful for them and their service. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to a very familiar passage in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 14. I want to ask three questions that maybe you've never asked out of this passage before. And, and while you're turning there, I, I just have a, a question. Maybe you've thought about this before. Maybe you haven't. If you had one question to ask God, what would it be? Like if you had one question to, to audibly ask God and get like a hand on the wall answer or a text message or a, an audible answer, what would it be? I, man, I put a lot of thought into that and I've had a lot of people say, man, if I could just know why. I think a lot of us would ask why questions. Man, why did some dingbat in China eat a bat, right? Why, why uh, did this pandemic ha happen? Why did uh, that, that diagnosis have to happen? Why, why are we struggling as a nation seems so divided? Why do all these things happen? Some deep theological questions have been asked, like I, I heard someone today ask, why would God allow the Browns to win in the playoffs? Any Browns fans here? Uh, they did win in the playoffs. They're playing tomorrow. Uh, there are no Browns fans here, so I'll just tell you. Uh, that, that's the curse of 2021 right there, man. The Browns win, you know it's all going downhill from there. Uh, the Browns winning. I also um, have noticed some things. You know, in high school, there were a few things that were really popular, and, and I just could not get into them. And I'll tell you one that I've seen. It's the fanny pack. Have you noticed the fanny packs back? 
Let me tell you, and, and I know there's some fans of the fanny pack here, and I just want you to know something. I'm not with you. I'll never be with you. I don't care if you pay me lots of money to wear it. I'm not going to do it, okay? In fact, you can go to uh, your browser and just type in sackthefannypack.com and sign a petition. No, I'm just kidding. But I will tell you, I've never been into that. I never been in it. And I, and I actually told people in high school, I was like, man, that'll never be back. You know, I'm glad that thing's fading out. It's back. It's back. I don't care how much you like to put your stuff. Carry a wallet. Get a purse. Sack the fanny pack. Anyway, I need to get into the Bible. Otherwise, I'm just, none of that was in the notes. But um, we're going to ask three questions tonight, and, and there's an answer. And I, I want to give you the answer f- straight from the Bible about these questions. But I, I do believe that a lot of times there are unanswered questions in our life and in our faith. And those unanswered questions and those things that we often think about without really diving into and kind of leaning into the tension of it, a lot of times those doubts and those, those fears and those discussions that we don't have about our faith are where our faith is the weakest. So I want you to go to verse number 22. This is, uh, of course, right after Jesus fed uh, the 5,000, probably more than 5,000. They've just had a good meal. How many of you like to eat? All right. So they've just had a great meal. In fact, they, I, I think I can say this confidently. They just had the best meal of their lives. Okay. You know, how many of you know when Jesus is the chef? Okay. You're going to eat good. And, and so they've just, they've just had a wonderful meal. And, and Jesus decides he's going to get some rest. He's going he's gonna to take a nap. And, and we know that uh, because in chapter uh, 14, and in verse number 21, um, after they, they you know, had the miracle, verse 22, Jesus, he, he told the disciples to go on to the other side. He sent the multitude away. So I always think about this when I'm on a long phone call with someone who won't get off. You know, Jesus, Jesus hung up on people, okay? He sent the multitudes away. I don't hang up on people, but uh, he sent the multitudes away. And then in verse 23 of chapter 14, it says, And after he sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain place, He went up to a mountain place, away from the multitudes, and what did he do? He prayed. He prayed. He was alone there, and the disciples were away from him. They were in a ship. In verse 24, the the ship is now in the midst of the sea. That's the Sea of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee, um, about the size of Lake Castaic, if you've ever been uh, to Lake Castaic. And they, they're in the midst of the sea. They're tossed with the winds, and the winds are contrary. Literally, though, it's, it's the winds are against them. Have you ever felt like something was against you? Have you ever felt like, man, I just can't get any momentum? Like, I, I'm trying my hardest. I'm putting my heart and soul into this. But, but I just, it just seems like something's against me. And, and I want you to know that in those moments when you seem like it's, it's all against you and in those moments when you're in the fourth watch, verse 25, and, and you're just seeming like you just can't get out of the storm, it's that moment that Jesus notices you. It's that moment that Jesus sees you. Jesus cares about those moments where you feel like you can't get a break. And so in chapter 14, in in verse number 26, the disciples see Jesus walking on the sea, and they're so troubled. They go from fearful, the word is phobia, to 
they're terrified. Tarasso, they're like freaking out. And in verse number 27, of course, we know that they, they, they see and Jesus speaks to them. They still don't realize that it's him. And he says, be of good cheer. Now, I just want, want to be real tonight. That's not what I want to hear when I'm really fearful. I don't want to hear, be of good cheer. Have you ever had someone quote a verse to you in a deep trial and you're like, just take your Bible and go? I don't need a message. I don't need to hear about cheer. I don't need to hear about, you know, whoever you are and whatever you're doing. I, I just, I don't want that right now. I, I actually need a rope. I actually need some help rowing here. I, I need help. I'm, I, I'm struggling. I don't need just fluff words, it seems. He says, be of good cheer. And then he says, it is I. Be not afraid. Has anyone ever told you to stop something you couldn't do? Like, like when a kid starts crying and a parent says, stop crying, how in the world can they possibly stop crying? How, how in the world can you stop being fearful once you're fearful? You ever think about that? So the first question I have to ask from this passage is, why the storm? Why, why the storm? I mean, Jesus gets to take a nap and the, and the disciples have to endure the storm. Why would Jesus put them in the storm? Have you ever thought that about, about something you're going through? Like, why would God allow this to happen? God's all powerful, isn't he? I mean, God could have taken this, God could have rerouted the storm around them. Certainly God could have done that for the disciples. And so you ask yourself, why my storm? Like, why does God constantly seem to allow things into my life? Or I look back over my life and I'm like, God, I, I know you were there, but where were you? And maybe you're online and, 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 and you've been in quarantine for a while. Or maybe, maybe you have a pre-existing condition and you're like, man, of all the storms, why this one? And so he says, be of good cheer. Now, of course, this is not talking about be happy. This is talking about taking courage. He, he, he's literally, it's actually very similar to the word terasso, which is what I said, the Greek word for, for being terrified. It's, it's, it's teraeo, which is, which is a little bit different. It's the same passion. It, it's the same uh, amount of energy it would take to be fearful. And it's funneling that Instead of into fear, into courage. He's literally saying, hey, take some of my courage. You don't have any right now, and I recognize that, but I want to give you something. I want to give you. It literally is translated, take heart. Like, Like your heart is failing, so I'm going to give you an immunity boost of courage. Did you know that that courage, as one person put it, is the underlining virtue of all virtues. Friends, if we lose courage, we'll lose everything. And we're in a moment, we're in a storm in our society and in our churches and even probably in your life where it's easy to start losing courage. Why the storm? Because Jesus wanted us to know that we need courage. And he was revealing a need in the disciples' lives. And the need was courage. Everyone say courage. courage. Now, I love the theme and I, and I love the, the, the passage that the theme comes from. 
Uh, I, I love the 23rd Psalm, and there are so many that have studied it uh, and, and, and have done such a great job kind of breaking that down. But it wasn't until uh, we went to the Kidron Valley and we walked along the eastern part of the Jerusalem, the old wall, and you see that it's on the, 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 the eastern facing side so that it's the shadows uh, are following more on that side than any other part of Jerusalem. In the Kidron Valley, there is a, uh, a, a graveyard, and they put the graveyard there because it, you cannot walk through uh, the eastern gate without walking through the graveyard. And of course, rabbis uh, would not be seen walking through a graveyard because they do not want to touch what is dead. And so when David penned the words to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he was literally picturing the eastern Kidron Valley with the shadows and the people that were laid to death in the grave. He was walking through those shadows and the death, and he said, I will fear no evil. Did that mean that he would never be fearful? No. He, he knew that even in the midst of death and even in the midst of shadows and even in the midst of darkness and even in the midst of disappointments, he could fear no evil because God was with him. And when God is with you, there is a reason for courage. There is a heart that you do not have otherwise. There is a strength that you do not possess in yourself. And so why the storm? It's, it's really because of courage. Now, when storms come and you're in a boat, it's an issue because there's nothing, there's nothing to give you stability. Let me put it in building terms. I'm not a builder, but we're in a very nice building. And did you know when they built this building? They built this and engineered this building with the next earthquake in mind. Did you know when the engineers and the builders were laying the foundation and, and, and the cement and putting it into the ground? They had the earthquake in mind while they were building this building. Did you know if you get on a cruise ship or, or in a boat, and you're sailing, and you hit some rough waters. Did you know that the designers of that boat, the people who made that boat, did you know that they built that boat with those waves in mind? And did you know that when you were created, and when you were given a purpose in heaven before the world began, you were created for this 2021 storm. You were created for a time such as this. And I will tell you something. That I'll trash talk 2021 all day long and have fun, but I will tell you, I'm thankful to be alive in 2021. I'm thankful to be a part of this. Why? Because God built me knowing that I was here. Some of you uh, have a, a, a complex, and, and, I, and I, I tell you, I've been there, but some of us have a complex about wanting to make sure everything is just right before we have a moment of courage. Friend, that's not courage, that's fear. And I, I want to I say something, because my, my pastor heart kind of, uh, of slips out. Now, I want to just tell those watching online, because maybe it was a schedule conflict, or maybe, maybe you have legitimate fear. And, 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 and I want to tell you something about the way we fear. Did you know that when you fear inside your heart and your mind, th th there are 30 different chemical responses when you fear? Did you realize that, that when, you when you have a, 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 a fear for something, it is actually a healthy 
uh, response that God has placed in you so that you could protect yourself from something that could hurt you. But what ends up happening is sometimes we let fear get a little bit too far out in front and it starts to lead us to the point that now we're not being led by our purpose. This wasn't in the notes, but I just feel led to say it. We're we're not being led by our purpose. Now we're being led by our problems. Now we're being led by a pressure. Now we're being led by something totally different than what God has called us to be led by. And so everything about this story screams creation. Jesus walking on the water. The spirit moves on the water before Jesus says, let there be light. Jesus speaks life into lifeless souls. Jesus, uh, God being uh, the the father says the word who is Jesus. Let there be light says the word and we are created. Everything about this story screams creation, but, but you know what we miss? We miss the fact that we are here on purpose. We are here on purpose, and we are here to do the bidding of the one who made us and put us on this planet for a reason. So why the storm? Because if anyone's going to have courage, we need to have courage. And if we're ever going to have courage, now is the time to have some courage. Now's the time to take a stand. I'm not saying be be foolish. I'm saying be faith-filled. But the second question that that maybe you've asked about this, and and every time I read this, it it just bothers me a little bit. And I'm just being honest. Why the miracle? You say, well, we like miracles. We want miracles. Why this miracle? I want you to see it. When Jesus comes to them, He's walking on the sea. We just read it, verse 25. And and, and when he's walking on the sea, it doesn't ease their fears. It actually creates more fear. So, So, again, I'm just kind of working through this passage just like you are. But think through this. If Jesus wanted to ease their fears, couldn't there have been another way for him to reveal himself to them? I mean, after all, they did think it was a spirit. I mean, couldn't he have just teleported right into the boat and said, guys, I got this one, right? I mean, why why all the drama? Why the theatrical entrance? You ever think about that? And, and, and of course, these guys are in their early 20s, and, and, and they, you know, they're just coming out of the Hellenistic period and all of the, you know, Greek, you know, goddesses and, and, and the traditions and the stories and the legends. And I don't know who they thought Jesus was at the time, but it was obvious that they were afraid. It reminds me of when Chandler was younger. I, I have a, a eight-year-old and 11-year-old. And when my eight-year-old was five, uh, he used to come and, and he used to say, something is in my womb. And I used to think, you don't have, no, okay, room, okay. So after I got past that, I'm thinking, if it's a thing, Son, you and I are in the same boat. We're, we're, we're toast. If it's someone, okay, then we need to go to battle, all right? But, but he would get scared, and, and, you know, I'd have to show him, turn on the lights, show him everything. Now, Jesus, when he reveals himself to them, he creates more fear, not less. And so I, I often ask myself, why, why would Jesus put himself in the waves, in the storm, and in the wind? 
And it became apparent when Jesus says, be of good cheer, be of good courage, take heart. And then he says this, it is I. Jesus was revealing himself to them where their attention was to get their attention off of what they were focusing on and what they were putting their heart toward in order to redirect their thoughts and their mind and their heart toward him. So why this miracle? Because he wanted them to know they were made to worship. I want you to see this. When Jesus comes to them and says, it's me, it's, this is me, this is who I made you to be, and I want you to know that your attention's off, he was actually speaking to them about where their attention was, but not just where their attention was, how they were focusing on their problem. And, and in the, the words of, of great theologian, Captain Jack Sparrow, He said, the problem is not the problem. The problem is how you're viewing the problem. Remember that? Jesus is saying, I'm coming to you where your eyes are because they should have never been there. Where should their their eyes have been? Look at verse number 22. Verse number 22 says that Jesus went before them unto the other side, and he sent the multitudes away, and then he sent them away away to the other side. Jesus told them, I will meet you on the other side. It was the promise that he had given. You see, Jesus wasn't standing on the waves. Jesus wasn't standing in the wind. Jesus was standing on his own promise of what he had said. He was standing there to remind them that he had given them a promise. And that promise was still true during the storm as it was on the shore. And friend, let me tell you, whether we're in a storm or a trial or whether we're not, God's promises are still true today as they were four years ago. God will not go back on his word. He won't do it. He won't go back on his word. And so as I was thinking through this and and, and I was thinking about the worship, I, I was thinking to myself about our culture. And I had a lady tell me the other day, um, she's like, pastor, you're always talking about not, not worrying. And she's like, but If I didn't worry, I wouldn't have anything to think about. I said, I get that. But we're living in a society, and, and, and you know this is true. We are living in a society that worships our worries. We worship our worries. You say, how? We give more of our attention and more of our energy and more of our thoughts and more of our heart to what bothers us and to what scares us and to what makes us fearful. And then when we come time uh, to sit down at the Savior's feet and, and to really understand who he is, we have very little energy to give to him. Why? Because the storm has stolen all of our energy. And so Jesus is, is, is beckoning them, trying to get them away from what they're focused on to focus on him. About 15 years ago, you may remember the story of Brian Nichols. He was uh, a convicted rapist who, it was just a horrific crime in, in the state of Georgia. And he went into an Atlanta courthouse, and, and on his way in, he grabbed an officer's gun. He shot the judge. He shot another person in the courtroom. And then on his way out, shot two more people. All four people died. 
he, he sped away to Gwinnett County. He, he was looking for a place to hide out, and he saw a young lady, Ashley Smith, walking into her apartment. He jumped out of his car that he had stolen. He walked up behind her. He put the gun into her back. He forced his way into her apartment, and for seven hours, he held her captive. The, the movie that has been made of it, I, I think it was maybe five or ten years ago, uh, is named Captive. And, and, and in the movie, they, they really do a great job depicting what those seven hours were like. There's a really tense moment in the, in the movie where, um, and, and in her life, when Ashley was, was forced to go get drugs for Brian Nichols. She was a recovering drug addict herself, and, and, and when she went and got the drugs, she gave him all of the drugs and said, I don't want any of them. And he said, and he put a gun to her head. He, he, he said, I'm saving this one for you, and I will kill you if you don't take these drugs. In that moment, she didn't know what to do. She had been going to a Bible study. She had been trying to get her life back on track. She had been clean for a while. And in a moment of courage, and really with strength that she didn't have, she said, Brian, I would rather meet Jesus drug-free than be bound to these drugs again. He said, why? What, what? It baffled him the courage that she had in the face of fear. Just a few hours later, he would let her walk out her front door and she would run to her car and drive around the block and call 911. But a lot of us are captive. Yeah. A lot of us are not having a gun put to our head and, and forced to do something, but a lot of us are captive to our worries. A lot of us are captive to our fears. And every time we feel that, that anxiety coming over us, it, 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 it's a wave that we cannot endure. And let me tell you something, that the only thing to overcome your worry is your worship. And if you take your eyes off of Jesus, you have no power. You, you have no weapon. And But I will tell you that if you will come back to a place where you don't care what happens, but you're focused on Jesus, just like Ashley Smith, you will have strength that you know not of because God has not given us the spirit of fear but of love and of power and of a sound mind. We don't have to be captives to our own fear. So that's the miracle. The miracle was to take their focus off the storm and put it back on Jesus and then finally and we're done. And I have no idea what time I'm supposed to be done so we'll, we'll be finished soon. Number three, let me just ask you, why the rebuke? Because I want you to notice what happens. I mean, I've never understood why Jesus would rebuke Peter. I always thought it was the disciples, but look at this. It says, Peter answered and said, well, if it is you, if Lord, if it's you, then bid me to come out on the water. That's a pretty gutsy thing to say. Jesus said, come. And Peter got down out of the ship and he walked on the water unto Jesus. I mean, think about that. This guy's walking on the water, and then he starts to sink, again, because his eyes aren't on Jesus. By the way, we always sink into our doubts. We always sink into our depression. We always sink into our anxieties when our eyes aren't on Jesus. But, but, but 
after he starts to sing, he says, Lord, save me. What a great prayer. That's three, three words, and, and, and it worked. Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. And then he says to him, oh, you of little faith. Oh, thou of little faith. Why, why did he rebuke Peter? Peter was the one that had the faith to step out of the boat, you say, but it wasn't enough. Well, didn't Jesus say that just faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain? It seems to me like he was saying he had little faith. So it can move mountains, but it can't let you walk on the water? Like, that doesn't seem to square with me. And so here's Jesus giving a rebuke to Peter. And why? Why would he give a rebuke when, when, when Peter was the one that stepped out? See, the rebuke wasn't for, for Peter. And oftentimes, Jesus would say something to the disciples that he was talking to the whole multitude that was listening. I believe that this was, yes, Peter, your faith could have been bigger, but he was talking to those not with little faith, but with zero faith still on the boat. And I believe the lesson here is about faith. See, courage is only as good as our worship, but our worship is only as good as our faith. And our trust in God comes down to this. Will we believe God more than we believe our doubts? That's the question we have to ask. Because God doesn't mind fear. In fact, he never rebukes anyone in the New Testament for fearing. He always rebukes us and, and, and the Holy Spirit through the scriptures rebuke us for believing our fears, for believing our doubts, for going down that pathway. Can I, can I encourage you to do something? I'm going to encourage our church to do this tomorrow. But, but I would encourage you to do this tonight. Find a place in a time where you can inform your feelings about your faith. Find a place in time where you, can, where you cannot be led by your feelings. See, we don't come to belief through our feelings. We, we inform our feelings about our belief. We, we, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he has the power to lead us, to guide us, and that informs how we feel. And so he said, why did you doubt? That was the question. Why did you doubt? Why did you not Think that I could sustain you to come all the way out to me. I think Jesus wanted Peter to walk out, then John to walk out, Andrew to walk out, James. I, I think he wanted the whole boat just to be out there and just look at that little ship being crushed by the waves and realize the power that he had. But Peter took his eyes off Jesus. When I was... I want to say I was five or six, maybe I was seven, I don't know, but I was washing my car with my dad, and we had a, a 1987 Astro van, and it was, it was, it was a family mobile, I mean, it was awesome, and I, I remember I was getting the bottom, and my dad was getting the top, and he was on the back of the car, and the door, the back doors of the van were open, and he was wiping the top of the car. And, and when, he, when I came around the side, the back door was open. I didn't realize he was on the, the bumper. And when I came around, I just shut the door. Well, little did I know, his little pinky was in the door. Have you ever, have, has something ever hurt so bad that you couldn't scream? Or have you ever seen someone like it hurts so bad they just, you can't talk? That's how bad it hurts. Well, well, when I looked up and saw it, and, and then he eventually could talk, and, and, and something came out, I got so scared as a kid, I ran in the house. So my, but my dad's hand is still in, the, still in the back of the van. 
And he can't reach the bottom to un- unlatch it. And I, I remember I was hiding somewhere because I thought, man, this is the end of my life. Like, like my dad's coming. And I remember my dad found me and I, I remember him looking at me and saying, son, listen, you didn't know my finger was there. You, you were afraid and you ran, but hey, next time, open the door. <laughs> and you know what I want to tell you just from the Holy Spirit and from this, from this passage of scripture? When you're afraid, don't run away from him, run toward him. Don't, don't look away. There's so many things calling for your attention. Listen, friend, don't look away. Look toward him. Run toward him. Because I got a newsflash for you. He's running toward you. He's running toward you. And he wants you to know that your courage and your worship and your faith is not based on your feelings. It's based on his word. He is the one that is the author and finisher of your faith. So we will fear, but we don't have to believe our fears. We can believe our faith. And so let's have faith over fear in 2021. Let's pray. God, I pray that as we, as a church and as this church goes forward, God, we would not allow the fears that are permeating our culture and our hearts and our lives to overwhelm us. But God, I pray that you would help us to stand on the promises of God. Lord, I thank you so much for giving us this story inspired by the Holy Spirit to show us that even the best of men, Peter, one who started the church that carried out your mission in the first century, the one that was martyred for you, God, Even he got his eyes off of you from time to time. God, help us to put our focus on you. God, I pray that you'd help us to realize that without you, we could do nothing. Help us to realize that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Matt.